Praise God. All right, before I forget this, don't forget we need to make that measurement before you leave. So if, if it's forgotten, it'll be your fault. <laughs> All right, back to Galatians chapter 2. Are y'all there? Have, you know, uh, we, we haven't gotten to this part of the teaching yet, but um, faith comes by hearing. Repeatedly hearing the same thing over and over and over. The essence of teaching is repetition. Repetition. You think about anything that you learned, you learned it through repetition. And, and even uh, going back, learning how, learning your ABCs, you know, we put it in, even in rhyme. Rapping is not something new. You know, sometimes people think rapping is new. No, you just don't like the, uh, don't like the style of the rapping. But we've been rapping our whole lives. Those t- things have, have been around our whole lives. And so even as a child, how many of you uh, learned the ABC song growing up? I don't know how old that song is, but if you're my age, I know you learned it. And so, so uh, and I see a hand over here. So I don't know who first put that song, A, B, C, D, who, I don't know who said it. Yeah, there you go, see. Who said it to music? Who? Barney? Barney who? Barney the dinosaur? Barney the dinosaur wasn't around when I was in the first grade. <laughs> Mr. Rogers. So, who? Charles Bradley in 1835. Now, to my point earlier that we have the information of the world in the palm of our hands. Did you just look that up? See, that's what I mean. There's no reason to be ignorant anymore. No reason to be ignorant. I didn't know that till just now. So since 18 when? 1835, children have been saying A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, Wallamilla, P. <laughs> That's what I thought it was. I thought it was Wallamilla, P. <laughs> but it was what? Repetition. And you sung it over and over and over. And, you know, back before people got stupid, they used to buy their children, you know, ABC building blocks. And everything they bought was education, not entertainment. For the child, it was entertainment. But the parent knew it was twofold. It was entertaining and it was educational. So they're building their building blocks. And you say, what is that block right there? Ah, that's an A. They didn't know they were learning to read. Then you teach them one, two, three, four. How old are you? I'm three. Or they couldn't hold a hand up and they go, one, two, and they try to hold it down like this, three. But the whole, what are they doing? They're learning the whole time. So it's the same thing, friends, with faith. No, you're not two years old or 18 months old or three years old anymore. You may be in the Lord that age, even if you're 45. You may be six months old in the Lord. And I'm not talking about you've been saved six months. I'm just talking about your maturity level. Maybe six months, six months. And so wherever we are, that's where we are. But we go from there. We go from there. And it takes repetition. And you got to start thinking. You you have to start thinking like this, that if I don't start doing something differently, I'm going to continue to get the same results. If I don't start talking differently, I'm going to continue to get the same results. If I don't start thinking differently, on purpose, I will continue to get the same results. Now, if you're happy with your results, that's fine. But we should always be striving to go higher from faith to faith. But I cannot do the same thing, think the same thing, say the same thing, and get a different result. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't talk the same way. Won't work. Will not work. All right. So, so we, we, we just, that's just in our opening there. Let's look again. Galatians chapter 2. Hallelujah. And uh, what verse? 20. Paul says again, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life which I now live, which I now live. Live. 
in the flesh, because we do live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. He listed, I'm living by Jesus' faith. Look at this now. Who loved me and gave himself for me. So we could say that Jesus has done all the hard work. He's already done the heavy lifting. So there's only only thing for us left to do is just carry the thing on out. Glory to God. We are are such a privileged generation. (laughs) My goodness. Do you stop and think about it sometimes? How privileged we are. I mean, we don't know what hard is. Mm, mm, mm. You know, if you think about, again, many of you heard me talk about my grandfather, uh, my dad's father was born in 1894. Now, when he passed away in 1976, you know, it was a modern, that was modern. But when he met my grandmother, he, he was riding in a buggy. She was at a well pumping water to take to the house. Y'all starting to get the point? What well, there wasn't even a, a pump in the house. It's just like they were just kind of, might as well say, just like the Bible days, you had to go to the well and get water. And he pulling up in a, in, a, in a covered wagon. We pulling up in cars that almost fly. We're in a privileged generation. Microwave? What microwave? You had to go get that wood going. <laughs> then microwave we still don't get ready that's take too long how long it take two minutes in the microwave I'm not just going to stand there for t- <laughs> I mean you know what I'm talking about and during that two minutes you're trying to I can be getting this done during that two minutes glory to God we are blessed friends we got to get that we are blessed but we have to do something with this blessing that God has blessed us with Hallelujah. So once we get out of, because what am I working on now? Getting us out of this pity mindset so that we can build some good to God. And that takes faith. All right. So we left off um, talking about what faith is. Can somebody tell me what we said that faith is? What's the key, key, the key part of what we said faith? We said faith is what? It's, it's persuasion. It's what, what else about persuasion? It's what? Being fully persuaded. Being fully persuaded. About what? What God has said that he will surely do. Now, I want to do a couple of things here. Now, y'all remember, we, uh, we, looked at, we looked at the four verses of Scripture that said the just shall live by faith. Y'all remember that? Okay, y'all remember that. All right, good. So now we want to look at another area uh, that has several different scriptures that said the same thing. And I, just so that we can, because if we're going to be fully persuaded about something, that means that we're putting our total trust in it, right? That means we have to be convinced that this person, we can trust this person. So let's start out. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to get back to uh, Abraham where we left off, uh, talking about Abraham in, in Romans chapter 4. But I want to get these verses here locked in. Now, I know you're taking good notes. You're getting the CD. You're listening to it over and over because faith comes how? By hearing, not by having heard. I'll tell you, I, have, I still have my, my tape collection. That's one of the things I liked about that old car I had, that uh, it, it still had a tape player in it. And I get some of my old tapes and put those in. I'm still listen, listening to tapes and things that from the 1980s. The same messages that some of them I've heard a hundred, over a hundred times. I'm listening to them again. Over and over and over and over and over and over. The same message over and over and over again. And every time on one night in the time, 99, I listened to it for the 90th time. Oh, wait a minute, I didn't hear that the other 90, 98 times, but I heard it on the 99th time. Then when you hear it the 100th time, you're like, what, is this another message? No, it's the same one. Well, did I fall asleep doing that message? No, what happened? Well, no, what happened is, you, you, you know, 
like like now. I'll say something, it'll hit you, you'll be like, wow, but I'm still talking. You're in the wow or the sleep or whatever you're in or the reading or the talking to somebody else and, and you missed the last 20 seconds, which may have been the life changer for you. Glory to God. Okay, did y'all find it? Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 6. All right, there, there it is. Hebrews chapter 6. I knew it was in here. Glory to God. Now let's go to verse uh, oh, verse 18. Well, you know what? Let's go to verse uh, 16. Verse 16 is really more where it's at because, because it's, it's actually talking about dealing with that. Kind of puts a little bit more onto it. Hallelujah. Okay, watch this. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Now, what do we mean? He says, for men verily swear by the greater. Let's say you have two, two people that are, are of equal status, and they want to make a deal, a contract with one another. Well, what they'll do is they would go to, go to someone of higher status than themselves. And they said, oh, you be a witness to this, this contract between us two because, you know, maybe, maybe we're, you know, just young youngsters and this is a full adult that's respected, that, that's an honorable person. And they go and stand before him and said, I'll do this, he's going to do that. And he said, okay, got it. Now, so he said, that's the way men swear an oath. But look at verse 17, wherein God willing, willing, well, uh, let me finish verse 16. And an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Now, this is very important here. That when we have, what is this, this saying to us now, that when we have this oath, when it has been confirmed, we don't have to argue about it anymore. It's settled. And this is the thing. Once you know something, it becomes settled. You can settle it in your spirit. And nobody can talk you out of that. Can't nobody talk me out of what I know God has already done for me. You can't talk me out of that. It's too late to come tell me that this thing about God is not real, the Holy Ghost ain't real, this ain't. It's too late. I've got 32 years of history that says it's real. And the oath of confirmation, it's an end of all strife. I'm not going to get into with you about this, like I told you, said to the lady in Pine Bluff yesterday, you're an educator. Look it up. It's history. It's not going to change. It's not subject to, to, you know, to someone, you know, I know people going to rewrite stuff, but you can go back far enough and find what happened, what really happened. Hallelujah. So it's an end. Okay, now verse 17. Wherein God willing, willing, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, the unchangeableness of his counsel, that whatever God said, his counsel, he's not going to change what he said. He, he just kept saying the same thing from one, he talked to Abraham. Abraham leaves off the scene, then there's Isaac. He just tells Isaac what he told Abraham. Isaac leaves off the scene, and then there's Jacob. And he tells Jacob what he told Isaac, and he, what he told Isaac, he told Abraham. And now these become, the, you know, the three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then guess what? Jacob had the 12 sons, and he told the 12 sons the same thing that he told Jacob, that he told Isaac, that he told Abraham. He's not going to change. And then that's where we come up to Malachi uh, chapter 3, verse 6, where it says, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. He said, look, I promised your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that I would raise you up and make a great nation out of you. That's the only reason. Now, the word consumed means killed. He says, that's the only reason I haven't killed you off. <laughs> because I gave my word to them. Once you have the word of God on something, whoo, whoo, man, 
once you have the word of God. And when you know this about God, this immutability, this unchanging of his counsel, he's not going to change. Confirmed it by an oath when he cut the covenant with Abraham and walked in the blood. Now look at verse 18. That's where we're headed. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible. Woo. We talked about this a little bit. It's impossible, meaning there's no way. It's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible. This, this, is, where you, this is where we're talking about where, where you're separating the boys from, from the men from the boys in faith. It's impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Man, he said we can lay hold on this because it is impossible for God to lie. And when you understand that, when you get that in your inner man that God can not lie. He can't lie. Not that he won't lie. He can't lie. Because whatever words he speaks out of his mouth, that's what comes to pass. Now, you talking about the quiet game? Remember I was telling you that everybody, we, 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 we have, we, everybody's at least bilingual. Y'all remember me talking about that? You have what? What are the two languages you have? Your natural language and the language of silence. Okay. We got both of those from God. <laughs> okay. Malachi closes. God is upset. And so he said, you sons of Jacob, again, in, in, in chapter 3, verse 6, you sons of Jacob, that's the only reason you're not consumed. And so God said, you know what? I'm, not, I'm just not going to say anything else. You ever come to that place with folk where the best thing to do is just don't say nothing? Because whatever you say, it ain't going to come out as a blessing. So the best thing is to what? Say nothing. So God closes out with the prophet Malachi, and he doesn't speak for another 400 years. <laughs> because he knows if he says something, it's going to come to pass. It took him a little while to cool off. <laughs> well, you know, 400 years in God time is, you know, like 30, 35, 40 seconds, you know, a couple of minutes. But it took him a little bit. For us, 400 years. Now, in that time, that's when you had the, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees and all those groups came out of that silence. So one thing we know about them, the reason they were so far off, because they weren't hearing from God, because God wasn't speaking. That's why they were so far off. Okay, so so God cannot lie. Now, let's go to Titus. That's one witness there. Titus chapter one. Praise God. Just go back to the left book. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know that God can not lie? He's never wrong and he never lies. It's impossible for him to lie. Abraham's Abraham, because friends, when we talk about Abraham being fully persuaded, this is what made him so fully persuaded. Because he knew God couldn't lie. And so if God said something, he had to bring it to pass. That's why we see in Hebrews where it tells that Abraham, he had already seen Isaac. Raised in a vision, even if he had plunged a knife into the boy's chest and burned him up on the altar. He said, God can't lie. Come on, y'all with me? God can't lie. God said he's going to raise up a nation through that boy right there that's on the altar that I'm about to plunge this knife into his chest. God said he's going to raise him up. I mean, God said uh, 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 he's going to bring the seed through him. So I'm going to plunge this knife, burn him up, and God is going to raise him up out of those ashes. Now, I've heard of people being raised from the dead, but I've never heard anyone being raised from cremation. Okay? I've not heard anybody being raised from cremation. But Abraham, think about this. Think about the type of faith that you have to have. In God. That if I kill this boy, now, now most of us are like, can I just scratch him? 
But if I kill him, you think, okay, that's bad enough. But I'm going to burn up his body, watch it go up to smoke, because the smoke had to go up in order for it to be a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of God. We take this Abraham thing a little too lightly. Well, Abraham, I'm walking in the faith of him. Are you really? Have you been to a test? Have you been through a test like this? We've been through the God, I need to pay my water bill test. Come, don't, don't play me. Don't play me. That's, that's the kind of test. We, but we talking, Abraham says, here's a, a pile of ashes or wood and chunks of flesh and burnt bone. And God says, he'll raise them up. Why? Because he told me the seed was coming through that pile of ashes right there. And I told those, my workers down on the, down the bottom of the mountain, me and this boy, we're going to go up and worship God and we are coming back. Why? Because God said the seed was coming through him. God cannot lie. He's fully persuaded that God cannot lie. And he says, I'm going to burn him up and God, you're going to raise him up. We start to get a picture. See, this gets us away from that casual relationship with God. Well, I read my scriptures this morning. Praise God, I'm through with him now. I get back with you in the morning. (laughs) No, friends, we're talking about a, a real, living, vibrant, vital relationship where you can believe in someone so deeply that you think they'll raise up your child from ashes. Because he gave his word. He gave his word. He gave his word. Y'all know we talked about Anna, Anna, the prophetess Anna and Simeon. What did Simeon say that the Lord told him? I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead of, you know, on the faith come by hearing. But, but just in here, this will help. Sometimes we have to cross, you know, lap lessons. But Simeon said that God had told him that he would not die until he seen his Christ. He was a young man when God told him that. He didn't know when Christ was coming. If Christ was coming the next week, the next year, the next decade, or the next century. What did Simeon know? That he would not die until until he had seen the Christ child. So when God gives you a word, you believe him. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. He said, stir up the gift of the prophecy from the laying on the hands. He said, stir up that prophecy. Lay hold on it. Stir yourself up. Did God give you a word about something? If he gave you a word about it, then why aren't you working it? Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord for this word. No, Uh uh-uh. Abraham still obeyed God. He trusted him. As soon as you get a word, what happens after that? As soon as you get a word, as far as Satan is concerned, he does what? He comes when? Immediately, the Bible says, to try to steal the word. But that's not exactly how it goes. let's let's get it a little bit more succinct. When you hear the word and you don't understand it, then he comes immediately to steal the word. He can only steal what you do not understand. Remember I said you can't steal from from me what God has done for me? I can't steal from you what God has done for you? And you said, Pastor, I love you and I believe you, but I've been walking with the Lord. I've just had him be too faithful, you know. If I come up here and start saying something crazy and, well, you know, I know, uh, well, you know, God uh, took that child and it just happens like that sometimes. Y'all come check, see if I got a fever or something. Because God doesn't take babies. Hallelujah. Did y'all find uh, Titus? Let's look at, uh, look at verse 2. Let's start at verse 2. Oh, thank you, Lord. In hope of eternal life, which God, what does it say? That what? Cannot 
lie. That God what? Cannot lie. He cannot lie. He cannot lie. I'm harping on this because to move forward in these things, because people will question God. Isn't that how and is isn't that isn't that how man lost his place in the Garden of Eden with a question? Had not God said a question? Had not God said? Had not God said? With the question. Yeah, he loves to question you, question your relationship with God. He loves to question your relationship with God. You sure about that? Now, for you, those of you that have been here, man, you heard me say this. In, 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 in my wife and I, in our marriage covenant, you can't tell me something about her negative. You, you can't tell me I saw her with so-and-so. I just won't receive it. Why? Because we have a covenant. And it's not subject to hearsay. It's not subject to innuendo. It's not subject to any of those things. Because we have a covenant. To death. We have a covenant. So if you see her with someone and it looks so inappropriate that you just got to tell her, you, you, you can video it. I'm not going to watch it. Why? Because we have a covenant. And I'm not going to question my covenant. And I'm not going to allow someone else to interject a question into my covenant with her. Are y'all with me? She come home and I'm sitting there just waiting. She walked the door, mm-hmm, where you been? <laughs> to see Harry, where you been? To see Harriet. <laughs> you understand? So, so, so y'all get the, the place. When you're in covenant, friends, you don't question. Because once Satan, that's what the Bible says, neither give place to the devil. Questioning is given place. How can you question and trust at the same time? I saw a billboard yesterday. I thought it was a funeral home billboard. And the first time I saw it, it was going into Pine Bluff, and I just didn't get to read the whole thing. But we were on another side of town, and I saw the same billboard. And I was like, oh, that makes that's, that's good. And it said, in God we trust. It was for lawyers, right? In God we trust, all others we cross-examine. <laughs> I was like, that's good. It's a law firm. But when you have a covenant, that's trust. Or why would you enter in? to that covenant because you, you know part of that is saying forsaken all others that means the tail bear forsaken the tail bear <laughs> hallelujah all right all right now let's go y'all understand why i took the time i took with this part right here it's abraham when we talk about, let's go, go on and go to Romans. When we talk about he was fully persuaded, how did he get fully persuaded? What do we mean by fully persuaded? He was no longer in the questioning realm. I didn't say they didn't start out there. When Paul was on the road to Damascus and he ran into Jesus, <laughs> a bright light knocked him down, bam. What did he say? Who art thou, Lord? Who art thou, Lord? Because he's saying, whoever you are, you're a bad dude. He thought he knew God, remember? Because the, what he, he was doing, going in churches and, you know, going in home, people's homes, and if, the, if he knew that they were a Christian and, and hauled them off to jail. 
He had orders from the Pharisees, meaning the, 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 what we would call, you know, the church leaders. But he ran into a greater authority, and he had to acknowledge that. Glory to God. Now, the thing I love about Paul is Paul didn't lose his fervency. He was fervent when he was going the wrong way, and he was just as fervent going the right way. He wasn't the life of the party for the devil and then the, the gravekeeper for God. That's the way some folk get. All right. Romans chapter 4. Oh, glory to God. So you have to become, friends, you have to become fully persuaded about what? That God can not lie. Um, hold, hold, hold your paper there. Put your handkerchief, pencil there. Go to, go to Genesis chapter 12. Let's, let, let's I think, let, let's, uh, let's see this on the face. Genesis t- chapter 12, since I made that statement. And that way, at least in my mind, it'll help lock it in better. And that's what I want to do. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Genesis chapter 12, y'all there? Now the Lord, verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Verse 2, And I will make of thee a great nation. Now, Abraham understood what God meant by make of you a great nation. Okay? And I will bless thee and make thy name great. His name at this time was Abram, not Abraham. Abram meant the father of nations. But Abraham means the father of nations. All right? So here we go. And I will bless, and I'll make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Now look at verse 3. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now, 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 now stay with me here. Stay with me. Keep that thought in mind. Now go to uh, chapter 15, chapter 15, so that, so that we, can, we can lock this thing in good. Start at verse 1. Now God has just said to Abram, Abram, not Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. He's given him what? Promises. This is part of what he said. I'm going to do this for you. Now, Verse uh, chapter 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me seeing, seeing what? I go childless. Now, 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 does that really mean anything? So uh, let, me, let me finish this. I got like 50,000 things running through my head that I want to say because this thing is just so alive. And Abraham said, Lord God, what would thou give me? Now, stop right there. Go to chapter 13. Keep, keep, keep your finger there because I want to show you something. I want to show you something. What will you give me seeing I go childless? Everybody with me so far? God has promised Abraham, I'll make of you a great nation through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. I'm going to bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you. We skipped over. We saw chapter 15 now. Some time has gone by, and Abraham is, go, is, is seeing God in his vision, and he said, what are you going to give me seeing I go childless? Why would he bring up childless? Okay? Look at, verse, look at chapter 13. Start at verse 1. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot went with him into the south. And Abram was what? Very rich in what? Cattle, in silver, and in gold. 
So we can say it like this. Abraham had everything a person could want at, at that time that he could want that would make him great except for what? A child. He said, Lord, what are you going to give me? Seeing I go childless. Now watch, watch this. Listen. He's saying, there's nothing left that I, naturally, materially, there's nothing left. I've got everything I, I've got everything, anything I want, I have it. There's no material thing that, that you could give me that would satisfy me now. I've got cattle, I've got sheep, I've got silver, I've got gold, I've got servants. So what are you going to give me? What did Abraham, what, what did Abraham slick that in there? What are you going to give me? Seeing what? I go childless. What is in Abraham's mind? What made him say that? What made him say that was that conversation he had with God in chapter 12. I'm going to make of you a great nation. And anyone in that culture understood what a great nation meant. You're going to have a bunch of children, boy. And so he says, okay, I got the cattle. I can feed them. I got the money. I can clothe them. I can shelter them. I can educate them. But I, I need a kid now. So what is he doing? He's reminding God, you told me this. I did not come to you, God. Abraham didn't even know God. God came and introduced himself to him. He didn't even know God. Didn't even know him. Y'all get, so y'all, y'all caught that in chapter 13 that Abraham is saying to God, I've got all the material things I could want. There's nothing else I could want. What's another car? Oh, okay. What's a bigger house? Hire another maid. He's not, the loaning of Abraham's heart is not satisfied. God stirred him up. And he's convinced that God cannot lie already. Isn't it, isn't, isn't it something? First thing God did was bless him materially. What, what, did, what do you think that helped Abraham to, to do? To believe him. Abraham is already great as far as material wealth is concerned. Everybody know who, who he is. Man, you go to Abe, he set it out. He don't just keep the fatted calves. He keep a stock, you know, a stockyard of fatted calves. He can give a party every day. He don't have to wait to get the calf fattened up. The word was out. I mean, he had so much, he and Lot had so much that they could, they had to split their herds. But what does Abraham again say to God? Seeing I go childless, but what's in the back of Abraham's mind? What God said to him. And he said, now God, you said that. You, me and Sarah, we've just, we had just settled it, the issue. We, we knew we weren't going to have any children. We we're both old. She couldn't have them when she was 20. We had, our, we had just settled the issue. You came and put that in our heart that we were going to have a child. Now, what are you going to do about it? Got all this material stuff. I see you, you kept your word in that, but what about this? Look what he says. Back to chapter 15. God, how many of you know God is, we don't, we don't, we don't scare God. You know, we don't, we don't make God nervous with our little demands. With our little, well, God, you know, you, you told me this. We'll make God nervous. Like, okay, let me see what I can. Let, let, give, give me just a minute. I'm going to get back with you. Okay, let me make a couple of uh, phone calls and try to get back with you. You know, we have to do that sometimes. But God is never caught short. Hallelujah. We're talking about being fully persuaded now. This is what me. How did Abraham get to that place? He wasn't always fully persuaded. That came through his experiences with God. That every time God says something, he brought it to pass. And it wasn't always this afternoon. One time it was 24 years. But guess what? It came to pass. Keith Moore was singing by the Spirit one day. He was singing his song, It Shall Come to Pass. It Shall Come to Pass. What the Lord has said to me, it shall surely be. It shall come to pass. And that's what you have to sing. You have to say, no, it's come to pass. Why? God said it. He said it. Oh, glory to God. Now, 
Look, oh, so, so we're back in Genesis 15. Everybody with me? Verse 2. Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. <laughs> He's saying the only person I got something to leave to is my steward, Eleazar. Verse 3. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. Woo. Does he sound like he's scared? Can you see, friends, he's talking to God. He's saying, God, you, 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 you told me this. Now, I'm just, I'm just reminding you. I know you're good for it, but I'm just reminding you. <laughs> you haven't given me any seed. And I know, God, you can't lie. Whoo. Somebody going to get this before you leave out of here. Hallelujah. And, and, and you're going to be, you may have come in here persuaded, but you're going to leave fully persuaded. Because you're going to believe that God can't lie. Because, you know, see, see what, listen, friends, we've had a lot of religious teaching over the years. And sometimes, even though you, it may have been 50 years ago, you may have been in the primary classroom. And something that was said all those years ago still stuck in the back of your mind. And as you build your faith, it'll just push it out. Mm-hmm. I was one of those kids that I had to ask questions. Because it, it stuff didn't make sense to me. I just asked questions. I heard a lot of stuff didn't make sense. You know, you ask questions, they'd be like, well, you know, that's just the Lord is mysterious. Well, he got mysterious ways. How can you be mysterious and you write a book about yourself? A tell-all book. You write a tell-all book about yourself and say, well, you know, the Lord has got mysterious ways and wanders to perform. A tell, he wrote a tell-all book. Read it. It won't be mysterious anymore. What's mysterious about if I said it, I'll bring it to pass? What's mysterious about that? Well, you never know what the Lord will do. Read the Bible. You'll find out. He tells you over and over what he's going to do. Go talk to him like Abraham did. Watch this. Abraham is talking to God. Verse 3. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This should not be your heir. What I tell you, boy? Now, we don't see the voice inflections, the exclamations, and all that stuff. This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir, just like I said the first time. I don't have to adjust my plans for you. Look, then he reinforces it with this. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars that thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. Watch me add this to it. Going back. I say add. I'm just looking back at verse 14. So shall thy seed be that comes out of thine own bowels. Now don't bring up Eleazar again. <laughs> and he, look, look at verse 6. Here it is. How did he become fully persuaded? And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. This is where we see the first time where Abraham is fully persuaded. See, friends, again, there was that growing process. God didn't just come to Abraham and say something to Abraham, Abraham, let's go. It's all over now, God said. It. No, it was some time. Years. And he had to hear from God again. He had to he had to get back in obedience to God. Just let's close. Let's close in Romans chapter four. At least close there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know if I'm blessing you, but I'm just blessed. I'm just blessed. I'm blessed. It's, this is blessing me, blessing me, blessing me, blessing me, blessing me. Now, when we read verse, you're in, you're in, you're in chapter, Romans chapter four. Now, look at verse 19. Now, from what we just heard, skipping the last part of what God said, okay, 
let's 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 not let's just re- remember what Abraham said. You know, you didn't give me any seed, and now my my steward's got to be my heir. All right. Now look at verse nineteen. And being not weak in faith, yeah. Did everybody with me? When when Abraham was saying all that stuff, did it sound like he was weak in faith? Yes. You know, you, uh, I don't have a child. Eliezer going to have to be my heir. This doesn't sound like the same man and being not weak in faith, does it? It doesn't sound like the same person to me. He had to grow there. Are you getting that, friends? He had to, he had to get to the place in order to be fully persuaded, you have first have to be persuaded. Then something else happened, you're more persuaded. Then something else happened, you're even more persuaded. And then the coup de grace, you become fully persuaded that whatever God says, he's going to bring it to pass. And I'll tell you this, friends. This has been, this has been for me. You read the Bible. Personally, it has been like that. It's like when God tells you something, the opposite start happening. Like the opposite start happening. I mean, you because you 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 be like, "Woo! Thank you, Lord! Thank you, Lord!" And step out doing, bam! What was that, Lord? Where you at? What does the devil always want to bring up? A question, Lord? Where are you at? A question. And being not weak in faith, after he and God had that last conversation. He considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Now, to me, it looked like he was staggering in that, that conversation. But see, he was speaking. God hadn't spoken yet. But was what? Strong in faith. How do we know he was strong in faith? Giving glory to God. He began to shout the victory. He stopped, he stopped looking at and listening to and, 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 you know, and checking his body and all these other things and just start believing what God said. Hmm? He just started believing what God said. Start sending Sarah some flowers. Huh? She come to her tent door, and there's a messenger boy with some flowers. Uh, this is from tent number one. Big Daddy's tent. You know, she tell her, her maidens what she want for dinner. She come in, and there's no dinner prepared. Just a note there. And it's, your dinner is waiting for you in tent number one. Big Daddy's tent. What he trying to do? We ain't had dinner together. I don't, I don't even remember the last time we had dinner together. <laughs> See? But he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, acting like it already happened. And, verse 21, here's where we're going. We'll wrap it up here. And being what? Fully persuaded that What was he fully persuaded about? That what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Glory be to God. That whatever God said, he was big and bad enough to make it come to pass. That's what he was fully persuaded about. Because we can be fully persuaded about what God can't do. I'm fully persuaded that God can't lie. <laughs> I'm fully persuaded. Come on, stand on your feet. That God can't lie. I'm also fully persuaded that whatever he says, he's, he, he, can, he can bring it to pass. So the questions. Let's get the questions out. God's not afraid of them. They don't move him. If there's questions in there, that means we need to hear some more to push the questions what? Out. Out. 
And if we need to practice that language of silence more and more and more and more and more and more until we just calculate every word that we're going to say, let's say one at one word at a time. Okay. Why? To make sure it's a word of faith. I know it may sound a little comical, but when you're working on something, you, you don't need to be putting out words that are not attached to faith. Hebrew language, the word, the word, word, W-R-D means to arrange things. So when we speak, we are arranging things. Like the angel told Daniel, I have come for thy words. When we speak words, they, they never die because they're spiritual, because we are spirit beings. Glory to God. Remember what Jesus said, if these hold their peace, the very rocks of the earth will crowd. When you speak, if you're standing near rocks, the impression of your voice is recorded on those rocks. Hallelujah. And they're there until another sound comes and erases them. Because those rocks have magnetic qualities that attract vibrations. And when the next voice, when the next word comes, it erases those and imprints the new words. So if you're talking doubt and unbelief, it's recorded. But what do you need to talk now? Some faith to erase those words and imprint faith on there. So whatever negative that's been coming out, you need to get some word coming out. Bible, what God said coming out. So it can replace the other junk. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So we want to leave here today being fully persuaded that what God said, he is also able to perform. That's what we're fully persuaded about. That what God said, he is also able to perform. Hallelujah. Bow your heads if you